to Traveling Down the Delta Blues Highway. I'm Erin Scott, otherwise known as Audio Chick. This podcast is about the blues history, music, and people, and of course, traveling the Delta from Tunica to Vicksburg. You can find me and where you listen to your podcast at audiochick.net. That's chick without the K. Now, let's get on the road. Now we are in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Recently, I stopped by and talked to some of my friends and musicians I'm a fan of. I've known Roger Stoley for over 12 years now, and I came into his store and just let him tell his story. Hi, I'm Roger Stoley, and we're standing at Cathead Delta Blues and Folk Art in historic Clarksdale, Mississippi. I've been here doing this uh, for over 19 years now. And when I say this, uh, what I mean is I moved here almost 20 years ago to help organize and promote the blues from within. I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, and became a music fan when I was 10 years old and found my way into blues shortly after that and sort of self-educated myself uh, pre-internet before you had a Google and a Wikipedia and all that stuff. So it was a little hard to find out about blues history, but I just kept searching and looking for some of the rock and roll guys like Eric Clapton who would name names and I could then go look for, you know, Muddy Waters on uh, vinyl or cassette, that kind of thing. So moving forward in time, I went to the University of Cincinnati, stumbled into advertising coming out of that back in Dayton, and then ultimately, uh, I guess in uh, February 1995, that took me to St. Louis, Missouri. So once I was in St. Louis and got settled, being a blues fan, a longtime blues fan, I wanted to come down and kind of see where all my heroes came from. So initially I would come down on what I called the Dead Man Blues Tour and just try to walk where my heroes either came from or ended up buried or where significant things had happened. Uh, Back then, you know, in the mid to late 90s, frankly, you know, a lot of these guys did not yet have headstones. um, And there was only one blues museum really in the world, or at least in the U.S., and that was the Delta Blues Museum here in Clarksdale, which was very small at that time. Uh, Now, of course, we are very lucky and fortunate after a lot of work by a lot of people to have the Mississippi Blues Trail, which is a series of over 200 markers throughout the state. Uh, many of which are in Clarksdale, Oklahoma County. And we have several regional blues museums like the B.B. King Museum, the Highway 61 Blues Museum, in addition to the Delta Blues Museum. Um, In the corresponding years, I would come down here and visit and really at first look for where heroes came from, but then look for like what I call the sort of Mississippi blues experience, you know, a juke joint on a Saturday night. Um, I looked into Junior Kimbrough's place and Chulahoma, Mississippi, basically, uh, probably around 1996 or seven. And that was the one that really turned the light on of, oh my gosh, this culture is still alive. It's just below the radar. Um, There are fewer musicians doing it, but more importantly or sadly, there were fewer localized African-American blues fans in general. But occasionally on a good Saturday night, or in that case, a Sunday night, you could luck into a true community blues show at a juke joint or a house party and suddenly the music was not only just the genre of blues, it was the culture of blues with a voice. Um, so that became kind of my quest to kind of look for that kind of thing or create circumstances where that kind of thing could happen more often in a predictable way that then others could, you know, come down and enjoy. So I moved here, uh, let's see, May of 2002, opened my store Cathead in July of 2002. And again, the mission being to help organize and promote the blues from within. 
Um, I started working with, and you can't see the air quotes, but there are air quotes, working with Red Payton at Red's Lounge to try to get him to be on some kind of reliable music schedule. Um, when I moved here, it really was at least two weeks before he had his first blues show, which I thought was kind of crazy. I just was under the impression it was happening more often. Um, and then it was just hit or miss. And he would call me, I'd be standing here at my counter, he'd call me at four o'clock on a Saturday, Big Jack's playing tonight. Well, who the hell am I gonna tell at four o'clock on a Saturday, Red? You know, I'm closed in an hour. So we got on this schedule, he essentially promised, and it really was pretty much a promise, if I would market it for him, he would book Friday and Saturday every week, regardless of customers. And, you know, there were times where he absolutely lost money. He absolutely clearly lost money. There were times when there were more people in the band than in the audience and then you feel bad leaving. You're like, okay, I'm gonna leave you holding the bag, you know, and going home. Um, and I introduced him to guys who he sort of knew but had never had at his club, like James T. Model Ford, Robert Wolfman, Belfour, guys like that. Uh, Terry Harmonica Bean had been through but hadn't really played yet, but just helped sort of facilitate those things and they became regulars. Um, in the background, you may be able to hear right now, Terry Harmonica Bean, you know, he still plays Reds. Uh, of course, T. Model, Mr. Belfour, those guys have passed on. Uh, but in that time period, moving here in maybe the first, certainly decade I was here, I got to know much better guys I had met as a fan, but got to know them as a friend or, you know, working partner, for lack of a better description. Um, and a lot of those guys I would take overseas. So Robert Bilbo Walker, Big George Brock, Robert Belfour, uh, T-Model Ford, um, as well as a few of the younger guys and then guys like L.C. Homer. You know, to be able to take them overseas where they're even more appreciated than in the U.S. and certainly could get a little better paycheck sometimes because of it. Um, and that is a fish out of water kind of experience because you're bringing guys to somewhere that, as far as they know, it's in the U.S., but you were just on a long flight. You know, it, it's trying to explain why no one is speaking English and things like that. You end up with these kind of crazy experiences. And actually, one of the funnier ones, I suppose, that at least comes to mind, uh, James T. Model Ford, you know, he was probably, probably about 87, um, and I took him to New York City. There's a series of gigs, we actually had Terry Harmonica Bean there, Lee Williams, the drummer, Jimmy Duck Holmes, T. Model, Mr. Belfour, who was awesome, had a week of these gigs with a nonprofit. Well, T. Model, we had to get from a Manhattan hotel, big fancy high-rise hotel, to Brooklyn for the show, and so we, basically had too many musicians to be in just a regular cab, so we had this van kind of cab situation. And he took us through Chinatown. Now, I don't know if that's the most efficient way to get from Manhattan to Brooklyn, but it is a way. So we're going through Chinatown, Terry Bean's in the car, Lee Williams is in the car, they're looking out the window like, what is this? You know, seeing all the people and the signs and everything, taking pictures with their flip phones. T-Model's in the front seat, he slowly turns around with like this weird look on his face and I'm like, oh, please don't say something terrible because I don't know what he's thinking. But he turns around just amazed and says, would you look at all the Mexicans in Chinatown? Not meaning anything negative by it, but just the fact that he knew they weren't like him. Um, so, you know, you just, you'd run into these funny, again, like fish out of water type experiences. Um, also guys like a team model Ford were challenging at times on the road because he was a drinker and he was a, as he said, a ladies man. So you always had to keep an eye out because like Bilbo Walker and Big George, they always be trying to hit on the ladies, usually generations younger than they are. Um, and T-Model's case, not so much in the others, but he also, you know, everything was Jack Daniel time. And if, uh, you know, people thought that was funny, so then they'd buy him shots to Jack Daniel and it would all go downhill. 
So there were just a lot of uh, really, truly special experiences, you know, and sitting in, uh, you know, an airport and wherever, pick, you know, Amsterdam, whatever, on a long layover. And some of the stories that you would hear, you would never know to ask, but it would just come up because, you know, you've been seeing each other for a week and uh, just stuff comes up. So, you know, T-Model, or I'm sorry, Big George Brock, you know, had 42 kids, which actually I already knew. But I was like, you know, I'm going to ask him, how many mothers are we talking about? So he pauses, he goes, about 15, you know, no specifics. Um, but it was that blues lifestyle that, you know, he came in. It was a guy that literally sang to his mule named Ida on uh, Flowers Plantation, uh, plowing with a mule uh, as a young man. You know, that's how he came up, living literally in a shotgun shack and, um, you know, boxing on weekends for money. You know, he once uh, wrestled a bear for money and won, as he would say, by cheating. He's like, well, he didn't tell me how to throw the bear. He just said, throw the bear. So he threw the bear. Um, but these are guys just were, were bigger than bigger than life. You know, you just you couldn't make them up in a novel. So that's been the greatest thing about doing what I do is spending time with those guys, quality time, hearing the stories. Um, I've also written for a series of magazines, so I interviewed a lot of the guys, you know, professionally for lack of a better term, to actually get the real, you know, the stories down. So that's been real special for me. And I uh, worked on a series of book projects and film projects and putting on festivals and uh, things of that nature. We, of course, have been in the midst of a pandemic for uh, seems like 50 years, but I'll say a year and a half at this point, maybe. And, you know, Clarksdale, we were able to keep the music alive, support the musicians and still promote our blues town uh, through live streams. And folks can go to live from Clarksdale.org to see about three a week now. We were doing it every single day when we couldn't do much in person. Uh, but we're still a town that has 15 festivals a year. We have live blues now, again, in public every single day. So we encourage folks to go to visit Clarksdale.com, livefromclarksdale.org, or you can go to my cathead.biz website for my music calendar page. And of course, I have a web store as well. And you know, if you are a blues fan, a history fan, a music fan, a fan of Southern culture, um, if you've not been to Clarksdale, Mississippi, it's first off insane, uh, but secondly, you need to. And the one thing I will warn you is a lot of us started out as tourists and we've moved here. There's a lot of us now who've moved here. So, you know, keep that in mind when you come, but it really is that special of a place. Thank you, Roger. It was a good time today. Thanks for all those stories, because I remember you had a few stories about lobbies and things in Europe, and it was kind of interesting, and I learned some more today. Well, very good. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Always a pleasure coming into your store, and always a pleasure coming into Clarksdale. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. And then, there's truth in that. Visitors do move to the town, and even myself, as someone who visits now and then, I'm not only welcome, but I'm remembered. Clarksdale feels like home. The day I did these interviews, it was unfortunate that King Biscuit Blues Festival had been canceled, but I was lucky to talk with Peggy Sue Hampel, also known as Lady Trucker. She was waiting to play in front of Roger Stoley's store, and she chatted with me. I am Lady Truck, I'm the Zydeco Queen of Mississippi, and I am here in Clarksdale, Mississippi. I am original from LaFleur County, which is Greenwood, Mississippi, but I got married and moved to Marshall County, so I'm in Holly Spring, Mississippi. And today's supposed to be the Big King, today's supposed to be the Big King Biscuit Blues Day, which I was gonna perform today at three o'clock, but it had been canceled since the COVID. So today we're in the closet, we're keeping the blues alive. So today we at the Cathead at Roger Stolen Place, which is 
My dream came true. He always make my dream come true. He is the best. So come and see the caddy, Roger Stolen. Come on down to Clarksdale. And this is the best place to be. Tell me a little about you and just how long you've been singing the blues or, you know, your voice or what's going down and your life and just you and what, you know, you do and life and just... You know, because a lot of women, we don't hear a lot of women. So what, how do you fight it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, first I started singing ever since I was three years old. It's in my family. I am Peggy Sue Hemphill Latour, but I am related to Jesse Mae Hemphill. And I've been singing since I was three. We started off in Tallahatchie County, in San Antonio, Como, Mississippi, Glendora, Phillip, Webb, Sumner. LaFleur County, and out in the surrounding area in the Delta, from St. Louis to Chicago, California, Louisiana, Memphis, Tennessee. And our family tradition is to keep the hemp hill alive. So we started out with gospel first, and then we end up singing the blues. And now I'm keeping Jason May tradition and the family legend, I'm keeping it alive by still singing the blues. And very seldom you always see Certain females we sing, not all females sing. So you kind of got it. Still, it's a couple of still singing, but we still go to church because that was in our heart. It started off with the church, so the church gonna always be in our heart. But we still got the blues in us, and so Mississippi is the heart of the blues. The Delta is the blues. So come on down to Clarksdale or any area that got the blues, and we're going to keep the blues alive. I know it's the COVID, but everybody be safe. Take your shot. It's not going to hurt you. And everybody be safe. Wear your mask, and come on down. Come on down to Clarksdale. Come on down to any place, any place to keep the blues alive. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, yes. we don't know when COVID, COVID's changing life, but... Yes. The blues just lives and lives and lives, and you know how to make it live, too. So, Yeah, so come on down and support all artists by buying their CDs, shirts, masks, um, anything they have available for sale. Like me, I did the council month of October, so I've been wearing pink all summer. And well, since October, not summer, but I've been wearing pink. So if you catch me, I have the pink lady trucker mask on, or the pink lady trucker shirt on, or the pants, the shoes. So if you want a part of it, you can go on my line under Lady Trucker or Pegasus Hemp Pillars on Facebook, or you can do me a cash app on a dollar sign, a capital L0924 to get my merchandise. But you can also catch me in the Rana Delta to see where I'm, where I'm performing. So we're going to keep the blues going. So, hey, we got King Bits coming back next year. So come on down and support us. And I sure thank y'all. And thank you, too. Well, thank you for talking to me today. It was exciting to see you and exciting to be here today. And I'm just, yes. So thank you. And thank you. And y'all, we're going to keep the blues alive. So come on and support now we're in front of Roger Stoley's store, Cathead Delta Blues and Folk Art Store, where fans are on the street enjoying live music. Terry Harmonica Bean. Terry Harmonica Bean is in Clarksdale today playing the blues. And in front of Cathead's Roger Stoley's place, 
And I was one of the first musicians to play for Roger here when he first opened it up. Down the picture is where? Right there. Me sitting in the corner over there. Uh, I met Roger about oh, 25 years ago in Greenville before he even started this place. So me and him both had a plan. But uh, I started out playing the blues, you know, down in the Delta with T. Marla Ford, Willie Foster and all them, uh, Booby Burns and A.C. Payton. But my father, Eddie Bean, and my grandfather, Rosie Johnson, was also blues men. When you got 18 brothers and six sisters, you got the blues already. So I born with it. Mine didn't come out no book. <laughs> hey, keep the Mississippi Blues alive, Terry Harmonica Bean Clarksdale. So, what's your name, young lady? I'm Erin Scott. Miss Ariel? Yes, Aaron sir. Scott. Yes. I do a lot of interviews. You call me on a good day. You ain't got to pay nothing. Well, <laughs> I love the blues. And I love y'all, and I love you. I've heard you before. I've heard you play, and this is an exciting time to hear you. Yeah. So, Terry, how am I going to be in next weekend? Next Saturday, I'll be in Boonville, Mississippi. Turner Green Festival. That's what it used to be called. What is it called now? I think Boonville Street Fest now. But it used to be a Turner Green Festival. And uh, next Sunday, West Point, Mississippi, Highland Wolf. Well, this will be a while, but yeah, let's, let's hear you. So uh, we'll be, and tonight, y'all can tune in. I'll be in Jackson, Tennessee at a private gig. I go anywhere they're paying money. Well, hot man.
And that was Terry Harmonica Bean in front of Cathead Delta Blues and Folk Art. Lucky he did that interview for free because the audio chick is doing multiple people's jobs on her own for free. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Traveling Down the Delta Blues Highway. I'm Erin Scott, audio chick without the K. Thank you, Ray Lundy, for our weekly music. Come on back and listen to the next gem.